Welcome, friends, to the latest edition of the Chicagoland Yoga Teachers Podcast. My name is Paul Fowler, and today we have a very special guest, Sharon Stephenson. She is the founder and uh, editor of Yoga Chicago Magazine, uh, a magazine that's been around since 1994, and really, in a lot of ways, an anchor or a center point of the Chicago yoga community. So many years of connecting studios and practitioners through articles and advertisements and various other things. Um, anyways, we have a very uh, kind of wide-ranging conversation about the impact of Yoga Chicago through the years. Um, also, Sharon has a, uh, a strong belief in meditation, so we talk a, a bunch about meditation and uh, and just in general, the, the larger picture of the Chicago yoga community. So in addition, uh, this, re- this interview was recorded in December, maybe even November um, of last year, uh, 2019. And she was lamenting at some point the accessibility through YouTube and various other platforms uh, of yoga teachers, of top-tier yoga teachers that people could study with. They don't have to pay for so much. They don't have to go out to California or wherever this teacher is teaching. And uh, she was lamenting this idea that people were more and more staying at home, doing their practice at home, and not connecting to each other. And the recognition that the connection to each other and being in the same room, etc., um, is so valuable. And of course, this was before COVID and the fact that everybody was is doing yoga at home at this point for the most part. So uh, that was kind of uh, interesting, if not somewhat prescient observation. So uh, hope you enjoy this interview. And without further ado, here's Sharon. All right. Welcome, Sharon Stephenson. Thank you. Uh, this is a really exciting interview for me because you've been uh, really instrumental and a part of the Chicago yoga community for so many years. And considering that you've been um, publishing the Yoga Chicago magazine since 1996? Uh, 1994. Um, that you've gotten the opportunity to see and talk to so many different people in the community and see how it's changed and see how it's mm-hmm. evolved. I'm wondering if you had any, like... And, and of course, you started practicing in '68, uh, right? So you right. you you like first discovered yoga back in those those days. Gabriel mm-hmm. Halpern was here. He talked about like a kind of a similar uh, thing of discovering it. I guess we could say early. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering about your kind of thoughts, just big picture thoughts of how Chicago yoga has changed and evolved throughout all these years. Yeah. Well. I spent about a year thinking about starting it. Um, I was doing as my work desk, what they called desktop publishing. This is before everybody had their own computer. So I was first doing typing at home while I was raising my kids, uh, typing for students, and then uh, a friend of mine. And oh, and then I got a computer, and I was doing it on a computer. And but still, nobody had their own home computers yet. They were still very expensive. 
So I was typing, and then a friend of mine offered to share space downtown where we could have corporate clients, too. So we, I did that. But then people started getting their own computers, and so I, I could see the end of that. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I was doing newsletters and uh, different printed materials for other people, brochures and um, so I thought, you know, maybe I could do my own things, uh, put out a newsletter or maybe do uh, uh, some kind of publication. But I didn't know what it would be about women, maybe spirituality, yoga. Uh, and I got started focusing on yoga. And I thought, you know, maybe I could do something local. There was Yoga Journal. I wasn't going to try to be a, another Yoga Journal international or national magazine, but but maybe something to spread the news about yoga in the Chicago area because I would hear about the Himalayan Institute would bring in somebody from San Diego and they'd had this place down in uh, Lakeview area called East West Bookstore. And if you weren't on their mailing list, you didn't really find out about it. And a few other teachers would come in, and I'd think, geez, I wish I'd known about that. So I thought, well, maybe a, a little newsletter about what's going on in Chicago with yoga. So I, the first thing, well, so I started researching how many yoga studios there were. And of course, this was before internet or Google or any of that. So you had to go to the yellow pages. So I did that. and So how uh, many yoga studios were there in 1994? Uh, uh, I would say maybe 10, but they weren't all studios. Mm -hmm. There was Shivananda. There was um, the Temple of Kriya. There was this woman out in Hyde Park, Sri Narod. Uh, I think Susan Witz had a, there were a few places downtown. Small, very small. Um, and they had classes. But they were in the yellow pages, so I found out about them, and then I called all the colleges, all the libraries, all the park districts to find out, do you have yoga? Do you have yoga? And I gave them all a free listing, and then uh, a couple years later, I started charging. But um, So that was the meat of it, where to take yoga. Mm -hmm. And then also I had um, a teacher profile. Uh, I had um, a story. A friend of mine wrote a story about a holistic health pra practitioner, David Edelberg. So that was in there. And uh, and I also, when I put out to who's doing yoga and where and when and address, phone number, I also said, you know, we're, we're going to have ads too. So I got a few ads. So as I spread the word, I had I got some ads and I had eight pages, and it was very respectable. And then once that got distributed, I printed 10,000 copies. And once that got distributed, then other people wanted to get in, there, get in there too. So the second issue was 16 pages. So then it just grew from there. People started telling me about their activities. We had a calendar listings. We had um, ads, classifieds, all kinds of stuff, display ads. It started to take off right away. So, so in a way... You were a part of the, how do I say this? You, not only were you sh uh, shining a light on the Chicago yoga community, but you were probably growing it just by nature of people seeing what was going on. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I, my sense is that um, you had a very instrumental role in 
kind of moving the Chicago yoga community during a like an evolutionary phase that where it went from 10 yoga studios to you know well I don't know how many we got now how many do we have now do you know do you have any sense I don't know I counted all the listings at one point and there were maybe I don't know 70 or 80 or I I forget it's just studios but uh yeah it could have I I guess it did as people picked up oh what's this yoga Chicago magazine and they'd find out where to do yoga and about yoga and about workshops and it, yeah, I mean, eventually it would have got there anyway with the internet, but uh, yeah, I think it did. It probably helped grow yoga. Mm. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be in there. So, what um, what do you think that uh, is something unique about Chicago yoga? I, I do you have any sense about like East, like yoga in the East, yoga in the West Coast. It seems like a lot of the big name yoga teachers either come from the East Coast, New York, or California, um, and Chicago doesn't hasn't like produced any like big national names that I know of. Maybe they have, but uh, it seems like less for sure. And I'm wondering why you think that might be. Why? Why? What's what is that about? What, what's unique about Chicago yoga? I think. Yoga here is much more forgiving and accepting and all-inclusive. Like, I find some of the East and the West Coast uh, stars are kind of, um, I don't want to say arrogant, but they feel like they studied with so-and-so, and and this is what he says to do. And uh, so they come to Chicago and see how sloppy we are. What? Your alignment, look at your alignment. What's wrong with you? <laughs> they actually, uh-huh. I had, I was at one workshop and he just couldn't believe what bad yoga we did. And uh, I, I, was, I was surprised, you know, he was a bad yogi <laughs> to do that. You know, you don't do that. Yeah. Uh, and he's since toned down. And my, my response to him, this was quite a while back, and uh, he was uh, from the Iyengar tradition, and, and I, my, I wanted to say, you know what? We're not all Iyengar yogis here. Some of us do classical yoga. Some of us do vini yoga. Some of us do shivananda yoga. We don't do your kind of yoga. That's why we're not doing it the way you do it, because we don't do that. We can. We can learn if we want to. But that's not our background. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, so, but here there's, it's, it's all so welcoming. People, can, people have started their own yogas named after themselves. And, and it's all good. They, have their, they bring their experience. There's no uh, uh, corner on the market, like this is the true yoga. You know, it's all good. There's there's um, innovations and variations, and it's all individual anyway. You make it work for yourself. You don't try to mold yourself into a box, I think. So I think that's maybe why um, the, the, the big uh, stars come from the coast, because they were maybe first, you know, and they came around and teach people. But, um, yeah, uh, I think Chicago is a really good place to live and teach and study. And you don't feel that pressure. You don't feel like people are looking at you and telling you you're doing it wrong. Right. And, you know, it's, it's about 
First of all, it's not all about the body anyway. <laughs> it's about, you know, growing and, and reaching your full potential and uh, a higher consciousness. That's what it's about, finding enlightenment. Asana is only one of the eight limbs. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's just, you know, the sh- Chicago has this reputation. Um, and I think... Chicagoans will be the first to tell you that it's a friendly city. Yeah. And, you know, the yoga would naturally reflect Mm -hmm. that friendliness, I think. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah. 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 We're welcoming. We welcome people. And uh, and we're grateful. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's it. It's just kind of the kind of people we are. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, uh, so you're you're currently teaching yoga in addition to p- publishing uh, Yoga Chicago. You're also teaching, and I noticed mm-hmm. that you teach uh, kids. I, I and just started doing that. Yeah. Uh. Oh, good connection. Yeah, yeah kids you, and grandmothers. Yeah, you got the you got the you got the both ends of the spectrum I, there. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, the kids is just recent in this past year. Mm. Um, I've been teaching at the Y. I guess 44 years or 40, whatever, since uh, 76. And um, same, same class, same Y, same night, <laughs> different rooms. But anyway, uh, um, the kids, yeah, that just came up this year. And quite by accident, uh, I was asked to sub for somebody. And I'd been subbing a lot. And uh, so the, somebody was teaching on a Thursday night and a, or a Tuesday night, and they wanted a sub for their adult class and the kids' class. And I, I just didn't do it, and I felt really guilty about that. And so I decided, well, you know, if you ever need a sub for the kids, I'll do it. I didn't know a thing about teaching kids. But um, anyway, it, it, a few weeks later, they wanted to start one on Thursday night. I thought, oh. Okay, <laughs> it's right before my adult class at the Y, so I've been doing that, and I really enjoy it. The kids are terrific; mm-hmm. they're very much fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's a nice change of pace. Totally different. It's it's forty five minutes, and believe me, that's long enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> Their attention span is short. So, um, so you've been practicing since. Uh, um, Sixty-eight. Uh, how has your practice changed uh, through the years? Like, can you do you do you have a daily uh, daily yoga practice? Uh, mm-hmm. And how has that how has that changed from? Well, I, I used to practice a lot more. In the beginning, I would practice maybe uh, forty-five minutes and then meditate. And um, I, I got into other things too. I started teaching aerobics at the Y. Uh, basically, that's the only other thing. But um, it started to get to be more of a more of a med- meditation, more pranayama and meditation than the hatha, just because um, I didn't feel like I needed to like perfect. Uh, I don't know. I, let's see. Well, I did a lot more things, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I didn't feel like I had to get stronger and stronger and more flexible. I was already flexible enough. And I really enjoyed the meditation more. So, but I still do it. I every day. Well, I've had two hip replacements, so I do. 
I still do the PT, but I also do every day downward dog. My grandson asked me if I was getting stronger, and I said, yes, I am. I am getting stronger. I'm doing downward dog longer and longer every day. I do about three minutes now. And I do cobra. I do, um, let's see, oh, twists, of course. Um, and then I do my PT stuff. I sometimes do shoulder stand, but I'm kind of stiff in the morning. So I'm not really ready to do shoulder stand yet. But I do stuff like standing at the kitchen sink. I'll do dancer pose. and. <laughs> But yeah, and I, I uh, meditation is my thing. So what what kind of meditation do you do? I mean, do you have do you, can you describe the practice? Well, first of all, um, I, I, if my nose is cleared, um, I'll do alternate breath for a few rounds, and then uh, I do a mantra, the Gayatri mantra, and then I uh, I just start to watch the breath. I do this honks, it's a technique called honk saw, where you inhale the sound hong, and you exhale the sound ha. And that kind of gets me to a really centered place. And then after, I do 16 of those. I don't know why. It came to me in a dream that I should do 16. Nice. That's enough for me. And, uh, And then I just try to stay in that centered space. And you go, you know, thoughts will come in, and I just... When I notice, it could be, you know, a few seconds later. It could be 10 minutes later <laughs> if I'm off on a tangent. Um, but, yeah, I just try to stay in that quiet place. And sometimes it comes together really, really nicely. And sometimes it does not come together at all. So, mm-hmm, But mm-hmm. that's the, the meditation for that day, depending on, you know, how quiet. And I'll do this first, first thing in the morning. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep, and that's when I do the meditation. It's very, very good then. You know, do, you do, it, do you stay in bed and do it, or do you like go to no, a place? No, no. I get, go to my meditation mat and uh, sit there. And you know, just the vibe is so quiet at that time, like three, between 3 and 4. And I'll sit maybe for 40 minutes because it's just so... You know, you're there, kind of. You don't want to disturb that, so you want to you know, take it while you got it, you know, because, you know, by eight o'clock in the morning, you know, things are moving traffic and stuff. So, yeah. There's, yeah. In the Thai system, um, from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. is the, is a windy uh, portion of the day. And <clears throat> they say that that is the best time for meditation because it's closest to the spirit world. Mm. You're, you're kind of like that, that boundary between kind of our normal waking world yeah. and the spirit world is like normally stronger, but like in that time, it's, there's a little more fluidity in oh, between yeah. the two. I believe it. Um, and so they recommend, that's one of, one of the reasons uh, that like if you go to a 10-day Vipassana in Thailand, or even I think in here now, you're you're up at like three thirty, three forty-five. Um, wow. That's when the bells ring, and that's when yeah. you're you start meditating at like you know four. Yeah. Um, and it is; it's a very it's sweet, very auspicious. Time to, yeah, to I, I heard the sound of Om at that time. Hmm. I think is it trad? No, it's got to be the sound of Om. <laughs> Just like vibrating through the through the air. Well, um, I was telling my son about it, and uh, he goes, 
oh, is it sounds kind of like a dial tone, right? And uh, <laughs> now to me, it's lower than that. And, uh, and I was telling my teacher, he said, well, your vibration is just lower than his. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that that makes sense in a way. You know, as you get older, the vibration slows down when you're younger and super fast vibration. And, you know, going back to the Thai system, the, the, um, like the teenage part of life, um, up until about 30 or so, uh, that's the fire fiery aspect of life, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're breaking out in acne. You're like, your hormones are running crazy. You, you're quick to anger, you know, these mm-hmm. sorts of things yeah. happen around that time. And it's, it's a higher vibration, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's, here's the sound of the universe at a higher vibration too. Right. <laughs> you, you connect to what you kind of feel in yourself in a way. We see the things that we like I was just I was listening to somebody recently talking about um, if if you start thinking about Teslas all of a sudden you see Teslas everywhere right uh-huh. or whatever you bring you know. it into your yeah yeah consciousness yeah which I think is the the power I think of um, of that sort of mantra um, or meditation where mm-hmm. you're actually cre- you're actually visualizing something that you want to create in your life and then you naturally start seeing that. Not that because it, it was there before, but you're just seeing it now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a good way to look at it. Getting back to the uh, Yoga Chicago, do you, you know, in this, in this day of internet, Facebook, marketing, like self-marketing, MailChimp, all this stuff where people kind of develop their own networks and things like that, like how do you stay relevant in that world where people are getting so much of the information that they're, uh, or do you, do you just, you know, own the space that you're in and just be like, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. And people will use it as they want. I mean, how, what's your thinking around that? Well, um, in addition to the magazine, of course, we got onto Facebook eventually, maybe, I don't know, five years ago or more, I forget. Uh, and then a few years ago, I started a newsletter, maybe three or four years ago, maybe three, uh, a weekly newsletter. So people can subscribe to it on the website. And um, I encourage people to send me information now. There's, because there's a lot going on, I can't put everybody's information. So I, I, I limit it to people who advertise. People who have a directory listing, they can have one thing in the newsletter. If you have a display ad, on kind of ongoing, then you can have up to five. So um, that's a way of letting people know what's going on on a weekly basis. And uh, so that's what that's kind of what I do. And now, because even people who advertise, they don't have the time to send me a listing and the date and where and what and address and website. So I, I've decided just in the last, with the last issue that I'm going to go through it myself and take stuff out of their ad and put it in the newsletter. That way I have some, and I don't put it all in the first, like when the magazine comes out November 1st, I don't put everything in the that first newsletter. I kind of spread it out over three weeks, maybe. So it all gets in there. The sooner, closer ones uh, coming up will go in the earlier ones, and then later, you know, dates will come 
in the next few weeks. So, yeah, the newsletter and um, Facebook is about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't do Instagram. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do, you know? <laughs> I'm in right. my magazine office. <laughs> right, right, right. There's only so much you can do for sure. I'm sure that takes a lot of a lot of hours of your life to have that magazine kind of cons- and the consistency. I guess that's one of the questions that I have is like, how do you do? You, how do you maintain that sort of consistency through time, where you know your that discipline to put that you know have that de- those deadlines and have that magazine out every. What is it? Every every two weeks, every two two months, two months, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not discipline because it. I like doing it, and I, I. It's it's you know there's no question about do I want to do it this month? No, no, you you know you're gonna do it, so uh, you start thinking about the next issue right after the next one or even before the previous one. Um, it's it's not. Uh, it's it's not a chore for me. I really like doing it. It's like a hobby, really. And uh, I get up in the morning, and uh, after I eat breakfast, I, uh, I go out to my office. My office is uh, above my garage. So I live in the house. And my boyfriend and I live in the house. It's his house. And there's a garage with a second floor that was built by the previous owner. It's the size of a, a, of a boxing ring because the guy was a boxer. And he made the garage... In the room above, the size of a boxing ring. So Don, my boyfriend, converted it into an office for me. So since 2000, I've been working up there. So it's like my own, you know, den kind of thing with my computer. It's got windows like this, a lot of nice windows, a lot of natural light, and there's trees and, you know, short walk to the house. And it's also away from the house, so I don't... I'm not surrounded by my office all the time. I'm not tempted to go check emails, you know, late at night or anything like that. I have to wait till I get out there. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a discipline at all. It's, it's I enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. and uh, and now that it's shorter, I have even more free time. So. What's shorter? The magazine. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Do you mean it's fewer it's pages? Fewer pages because of just the the nature of the way communication is done these days. Right, right. Fewer ads. The display ads really drive it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as the ads diminish, the pages get fewer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so um, you've been uh, kind of you know seeing the Chicago yoga community as it's been going through these years. Um, what do you think is the reason that some studios are successful and other studios aren't as successful? Like, do you have a, a sense about, is there any, uh, anything that, that you can point to that actually um, makes for a successful studio and the, or that makes for a studio that doesn't, doesn't cut it? Well, a few things. Uh, first of all, your location has to be good. You got to be in an area where there's going to be people interested in yoga. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've seen people open up in an area where they think, "Oh, there's no yoga here. I'm going to open here." It's like it doesn't work out because it's the reason it's not working out is because people are not interested in yoga over there. So anyway so that that can happen and they're not really going to travel far even if you got a fabulous studio they're not going to they're going to go to one near them 
Um, also, some people are kind of uh, have a idea of what people are going to look for, like say Lori Gaspar out in uh, Prairie Yoga in uh, Lyle. She had this idea that she wanted to uh, have an advanced training. Uh, at one time, there were only only a two hundred hour. The Temple of Kriya Yoga also created an advanced training, and she decided to have a 500-hour. So she got a lot of people out there who were interested in more. They did their 200. Is that it? No, she started a 500, and now uh, she's got people doing yoga therapy out there, teaching yoga therapy for for teachers. So, um, so she's bringing in people like that. So I think having workshops... Uh, also brings in new students. There's fewer workshops, though, now with all these teachers having their own um, YouTube videos. So you don't have to go to a workshop to study with a certain teacher. You just go to their website or their YouTube site or huh. and, and do it with them at your leisure. You don't have to pay extra. You, know, you don't have to go anywhere. It's right. It's it, so. It, in a way, the internet has just brought yoga right into people's living room, and so even I think classes, class sizes are kind of diminishing a little bit. Uh, something surprising to me was at the Y the other day. The program director said classes or even other workout classes are shrinking because people are doing boot camp uh, on YouTube and other things too. So in a way, it's sort of sad that people are not getting out there to to do their yoga, do their boot camp, do their Nia, all these different things with others because mm-hmm. they just think, oh, I'll just do that when I have time. So I'm seeing that. People are getting more isolated, and that's not a good thing. They need to go out, be with people, talk, have a teacher, fellow students. It's a social, it's a community, and that's that's what I'd like to see more of, the community coming together. Remember we used to have those yoga conferences every year? It, one or sometimes two. Yoga Journal came every other year. The Midwest Yoga Conference, they're not doing that It doesn't anymore. happen anymore? No. It doesn't happen in the Midwest, or just it's not happening in general? I think Yoga Journal might have three a year, maybe San Francisco, New York, and Florida, or, you know, maybe three. I don't think, see them coming uh, all over the place like they used to. So, so even, like, top-tier teachers are not getting the numbers and classes as they were before, would you say? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That I can't, I don't really know. It's because, a good question. Because I understand with with the proliferation of yoga teacher trainings that there would be a lot more there's obviously a lot more teachers um more studios are going to kind of pop up because there's more teachers uh more people that are just into it. Um however, that starts splitting up the pie. Yeah, and and just the amount of people that, you know, I mean, you can look in look at it in a couple of ways. I mean, one is like, well, there's only so many people that are going to be doing yoga, and therefore, you're just dividing that even further when you have more and more teachers. The other the other aspect is like, to look at it and kind of with an abundance mindset and be like, you know, you are, uh, as more people get uh, aware of yoga, that 
there will just be more people because it's just more into the mainstream. And so, you know, you can, even if you are in a neighborhood that where it doesn't traditionally have a lot of yoga practitioners, perhaps by just being there and it being kind of in the water these days, that maybe that can happen. Maybe people can be turned on to it that weren't turned on to it before. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I also think, though, also because the health clubs all have it. The health clubs have it all day long. And maybe people go there to swim, and so they're already members, and they're just going to stay for the yoga. So even though you have fabulous teachers teaching at great studios, um, I think the health clubs are a big competition. Mm. There used to be uh, just two health clubs in the city of Chicago when I was doing started yoga. There was the uh, Chicago Athletic Club at uh, Marina Towers, and they had a branch out in Rogers Park. Hmm. Two. And they were not interested in yoga. And uh, I went to the East Bank Club. This would have been uh, late 70s. They didn't want to have yoga. Hmm. But, but then health clubs started to come up, you know, and so uh, now they all have yoga, most of them, I think. And maybe the people that are taking yoga at these health clubs are people that, you know, wouldn't be going to a regular studio to take yoga because they're there for the workout, so to speak. Exactly, right? yeah. And, and perhaps those things, I always think of those things as being a bridge in a way. If people want uh, or, or notice something that's a little bit more deeper relevant to their lives, um, then... Uh, maybe that would lead, will lead them on a, a path towards, uh, you know, individual teachers, studios, which is one of the reasons for this podcast, frankly, is like to get to know some of the longtime experienced practitioners and teachers in this town um, so that uh, people who are maybe new to it can recognize that there is this wealth of knowledge and depth of practice, which... They might not be seeing, but maybe have an inkling somehow that is there. Mm-hmm. Um, like the deeper aspects of yoga and exactly. meditation. And, yeah, well, I actually think that that's the next phase. Now, everybody knows about the postures and working out and physical, but I think people are now looking for deeper meaning in their lives. Um, there, there's a lot more stress than there used to be. So, you know, and, and disease, stress-related diseases, mm-hmm. doctors are telling them to do yoga so that they can learn how to quiet their mind. Now, at the Y, the Y is basically a, uh, you know, a more of a, you know, workout kind of place. I'd like to start a yoga, a meditation class there, but they, they say they don't have uh, space right now. But I'm thinking. As people, you know, do yoga, they are getting more in touch with their higher self just through the deep breathing and and the practices. <clears throat> but uh, I think meditation is going to be more and more prevalent and accepted and um, taught. I, Mary Klonowski, she teaches at... Uh, um, Chicago Yoga Center. I went to her class once, and she she had everybody do a minute of, me- of meditation. I thought, yeah, 
<laughs> sure. Now, I had been teaching a little bit of meditation here and there in my classes, not every time, but just once in a while we'd do a little meditation so they'd be familiar with other aspects of yoga. But since then, I've done every, every class has a minute of meditation and maybe longer, and they're very open to it. They're very, they, they sit there, they're, they're quiet, and I even sometimes don't want to bring them out of it because they're like there. So, but I think that's the next big thing. I mean, there's these Breathe Inc., uh, the Chill, what is it? Chill has, is a place for meditation. The, the, in, in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a brick and mortar uh, studio. Obviously, they have other things as well, um, but meditation is a big aspect of what they do. Yeah. Which is really, um, it's, it's an advancement, and maybe 20 years from now, we'll be. There'll be a proliferation of meditation studios around the city. <laughs> I sure hope you know? so. I mean, they people go, I don't know, they spend 15 or 20 bucks just to sit there for a half an hour by themselves. Mm. You know, people are looking for a quietude and a place to, to just get away from um, work and... You know their cell phones, and they and they don't necessarily have a place. They're at home. They got family or whatever, and they just relish the opportunity to just sit and turn inward and mm. regroup. And yeah, I think a lot of the um, maybe the reason that the meditation practice aspect of yoga hasn't been uh, highlighted is a and I've heard this stated by numerous practitioners or teachers that like you, you do the asana practice and when, when you come to a certain point in the asana practice, then you can be prepared for the meditation practice. In other words, it's like as if it's like a higher level practice that you have to practice asana for many years before you get to the point mm. where your body can actually sink into a meditation practice. And it's funny because my training in... Southeast Asia with meditation and Vipassana meditation, things like that. Um, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do anything, any physical practice at all. You just sit and you work with your mind in that way. And there's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. And I, I wonder if the yoga mindset is changing that, um, or maybe it was just what I was exposed to, I don't know. But like, I wonder if the yoga mindset's changing in the sense of, well, you don't need to be, you don't need to do years and years of asana before you can prepare yourself for meditation. You can do it on the first day of class. Oh, you know? absolutely. And you don't even need to do yoga at all. You don't have to know a thing about yoga to be able to meditate. Some people can just naturally sit and turn in and like, wow, they're there. And others, like their mind is racing. Most people, the mind is mind, mind included. Um, I do find that meditation comes easier after I do some hatha. Mm -hmm. Like after I do some hatha yoga, my body is ready to sit and I can just turn inward. Whereas if I just run in from outside and sit down, you know, it takes a little longer. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, no, I don't think the physical practice is ne necessary whatsoever. I mean, there's... Look at the Zen people. I mean, there's so many styles of meditation and places to do it, and, and where the Hatha Yoga is no part of it whatsoever. So I do think it's helpful. You know, it's one of it's a pro process. You know, the eight limbs, the do's and the don'ts, and the breathing and the practice and the turning in. And I think um, uh, it 
it's a, it's a good system for your life and, your, and philosophy, but people meditate for all kinds of reasons. The yoga purpose is to ultimately samadhi, you know, enlightenment, find God. Mm-hmm. But um, which I which I think sometimes can be. I don't know. Off-putting. So daunting. Yeah, yeah, off-putting because it's like, wow, that sounds pretty big when I can't even like, you know, stop this these crazy thoughts from happening in my head all the time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I think sometimes in this uh in the when we focus on samadhi and these higher levels of consciousness and things like that as being it become first of all, one the problem becomes is that sometimes we think that we're there and we're not. Or we're trying to get there, mm-hmm. which is exactly how you don't get there, right? <laughs> um, and, and so as opposed to just a certain kind of acceptance and compassion around where we are at right now, mm-hmm. which um, I think maybe in the yoga teacher trainings, um, because you're learning the paths and you're learning that this is the goal of this path and this is... Um, that you can kind of lose sight sometimes of the of just that mo- of just being present with your mind, however mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. and it's okay, and that's how you get to that other place. You right. have to pass through that. Yeah, well, it's always like that. Wherever you are in any one day is totally different than in another day, <clears throat> um, and I think that. Um, well, and, and for for one thing, what does there mean? Like you're there. Um, for me, there is just being a- able <laughs> to focus for a few moments and just be be in a state of quietude. Now, from that point, you know anything can happen, but you got to get to a state of quietude. You're not going to get enlightened while you're, you know, uh, just in your. Normally, I wouldn't think so. I don't. Maybe people just get like hit with a bolt of lightning and they're enlightened. But most, I think, it can come to you when you are quiet. So that's why I sit. That's that's what motivates me to sit, to get that peace and quiet. I don't have a goal in mind necessarily, but if uh, if you can get to a deeper place, and sometimes I've heard it described as, okay, at the Sun Center, you have the Sun Center, the doorway to cosmic awareness, God consciousness, divinity, whatever you want to call it. The doorway is... So you focus there, the doorway. Hey, the doorway to... Cosmic awareness. You want to go to the door. You don't want to go to the sides. You want to focus. So you focus. And thoughts are going to come in, which is normal. And you try to, like, regain your focus. Mm -hmm. Because it's in that focus that the door can open. And so I've heard it described as you bring yourself to the door and that at some point the door brings you to it. And And then that's where... Through grace, determination, desire—that that's when you know more cosmic uh, experiences can happen. So that's what brings you back over and over to me, anyway. Because my goal is cosmic conscious. Now, others some uh, others may want to be able to focus so they can you know, be more successful in their business life or improve their health somehow or improve their communications. Because meditation, the practice of meditation, will do all of that because focus is a good thing. So whatever you do with that, 
you know, the possibilities are endless. Where, where did you uh, learn, like, who is your most influential teacher when it comes to uh, meditation, yoga meditation? Well, it was uh, it's Swami Kriyananda from the Temple of Yoga. Okay, and he, he has a week or a, a bi-monthly... Every issue, Q&A. he has a column, right? He's got yes. a, a Q&A. In he, yeah, and he died about five years ago. Oh, okay. So it's now reprints of older columns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I first learned about him at the LaGrange YMCA. There was a teacher there, and she, he was her teacher. So then she started bringing him out to her house to teach meditation, and also he taught some astrology. And so I started going to him down in the fine arts building then. And he taught, yeah, he was my main teacher. And, and then he opened one of the first yoga schools in the city, right? Or the yeah. first? He already, already had it uh-huh. in the fine arts building. It's called the Temple of Kriya Yoga. And the, the, the Shivananda people were in that same building. Oh. So there was just the, rare, the first two. And I think Mrs. Nerode might have been doing something in Hyde Park. Back in '67, yeah, because she, she, her husband taught yoga, and he, and the both of them had come from Yogananda, in uh, Encinitas, California. So, they were early, very early teachers. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, Sharon. I think uh, I think that uh, that should wrap us up. Well, thank you, Paul. This has been very enjoyable. Nice talking with you too. I've learned some things. Yeah, I've really, uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, yeah, c- best of or continued best of luck with uh, your uh, classes, your practice, mm-hmm. and Yoga Chicago. May it continue to thrive in uh, in this uh, in the modern world. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you so yeah. much. Cool, Shanti.